Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Homo Sapiens. I've got a delightful episode for you because I'm not alone. Uh, I have Glyn Fussell. Hang on. How do I say your surname? I don't actually know how to say it. Well, look, I mean, if I'm trying to be bougie, I say Glyn Fussell, but really, it's just Glyn Fussell. Okay, Glyn Fussell with me. Um, Glyn Fuzel. Uh, maybe we could do that as well. Um, Glyn is the king of inclusive LGBTQIA plus nightlife. He's founded two bedrocks of queer Whoa! culture. Love that. Firstly, the UK's largest LGBTQ plus collective and club night, Sink the Pink, which features tons of drag, brilliant night, always the most fascinating, interesting, inclusive queer space that I've ever been to. Have a look on Google Image. If you've never heard of it, you will get a full and instant flavour of what a brilliant night it is. And he also set up the Mighty Hoopla Festival, which is a brilliant festival. It was on recently. It'll be back next year. It's Europe's biggest queer festival. One, two, they do every year, they bring back a band, e.g. the Sugar Babes this year. I mean, what more could you ask for? I love it. Oh, I do. You really do. It's such a smart idea. I love it. It's like um, so much of queer culture is weird little reference points that we all have yeah. like we all go do you remember the jennifer page crush video and, and everyone does oh it's magical magical a magical song you know the the weird yeah. thing is that it's very hard to explain when it's out of context for instance i'll be at a dinner party with my <laughs> my straight pals the straight allens the straight allies allens um <laughs> And I'll be explaining or trying to explain the concept of Mighty Black and it just goes over people's heads because... Really? Yeah, because don't you think as us queer kids, in our head, we are backstage at Smash It's Pole Winners Party, <laughs> lip-syncing <laughs> yes. to all of those songs. I mean, I don't know a queer kid that's not stood in front of a mirror yeah. singing, I don't know, Kate Winslet's solo single, like... Dreaming of being in love. We've all done it. And, and I get to visualise all of that. I get to yeah. visualise it and put it all on stages um, with absolutely no sense of irony. <laughs> <laughs> because I love Rachel Stevens. Yeah. And I think that actually there's a real code in pop music, don't you think, that unites gay people before, the, before we're out of the closet. When we're singing, yes. da- when we're singing Daphne and Celeste or dancing to Girls Aloud at a gig with our mums, yeah, we don't have to come out because you know we're wearing a Nicola Roberts wig. No, we're allowed for a brief moment. We're allowed to be the sparkly thing we mm. wish we could be. Yeah, yeah, and you know, no one's going to chuck something at us. Exactly uh, that. If- 
you know, if we're all dancing around to Sweet Dreams by LAX, for example, um, do you remember all the ropes in the video that she was bouncing between? I Rachel do. Stevens video? That song, don't you think, is one of those, because I think great pop records, usually Kathy Dennis' great pop records, they just, mm. they never date. They never date. Yeah, did she write that song? She wrote that. She wrote uh, um, Can't Get You Out of My Head by Kylie. Yeah. She wrote um, Since You've Been Gone by Kelly Clarkson. Mm. She really, she had a whole, oh, I Kissed a Girl by Katy Perry. A whole plethora of culturally rich pop songs. Do you love going on a wormhole of who turned down what song before the person oh, who did it got it? Oh, yeah, because didn't Rihanna turn down Toxic by Britney? Which was also, yes. FYI, written by Kathy Dennis. Yes. Is Kathy Dennis a member of the LGBTQIA plus community? She is not, but she is also a great Alan to us. And <laughs> um, by the way, it's pronounced Kathy Denis, just like Glyn Fussell. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> she lives in a giant pop castle. Can you imagine what it looks like? Have you ever encountered her? Oh, wow. So the greatest thing with my hoopla is that, A, I have a bigger platform to do all these mad things. But I guess I just trust my instinct and my peculiarities on decision making. Yeah. And the yeah. more they land, the more I have a sort of license to go with it. So <laughs> I think on the first or the second year, we brought back a pop artist that was sort of not doing anything and then that became a thing every year that we would try and reunite a band or bring someone together so we brought Kathy back Kathy Denis um a couple of years back and that was amazing Um, Sugar Babes we brought the Sugar Babes back this year and the 411 and yeah so but the pressure's on with that one so we have to continually do it and I, I really want I'd love Girls Allowed to reform really yes Mystique, have we reunited them? Oh, not through lack of trying. Really? Yes, I've tried every single angle on that one. It just doesn't seem to be landing, but I will get there. Who's the piece of the puzzle? All I'm going to say is when a dynamic of a pop band, when when someone that wasn't the lead singer becomes the most famous, it's very hard to get them back and fall back into the penultimate position. And I'll leave it there ever the politician i say no more <laughs> is all i'll say did you listen to banana rama on the radio the other day because they're kind of back yeah well they've all they go for about six minutes and they come back for six years that seems to be the general <laughs> loop with the rama they are one of the best pop bands ever and i think every great pop band looks like they're giving zero shits when they dance girls allowed yeah. we're like sugar babes literally turn their heads don't they which is wonderful yeah banana rama yeah. are of that ilk um, you know when they do, I heard a rumor, it's literally just rolling arms. <laughs> We've had them twice. They're fantastic as a band. Yeah. Um, just those great stock Aiken Waterman hits. I always remember somebody telling me, maybe someone said this on the podcast, or maybe I'm getting this wrong. Uh, let's let the lawyers decide. <laughs> but apparently like Banana Rama in the 80s were like the one band you were scared to be on a lineup with because they could drink the Rolling Stones under the table. Like they were wild. They are legendary, legendary. And someone I know, one of the girls ended up passing out underneath his Christmas tree at Christmas one year because they just, <laughs> they can drink, they can party. <laughs> legendary. I think it was actually... Love it. Because I believe that George Michael's really good friends with them and he just couldn't, he had to stop going out with them because they went so hard. 
I wish, yeah, I wish when Fat Tony had been on the podcast, I'd asked him because I bet he would have oh known. God, yeah. He would have had some banana rama gems. Malibu's. But they're kind of they're kind of good, clean fun, aren't they? I don't, you know, I like don't think they would be on a night out. <laughs> and is it? Really? Yeah, I think that's the beauty. I think that's the beauty of it is that they would they would literally fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, have you ever been able to do that? Have you ever been able to go for a little drink afterwards or have you um, avoided? Never with Bananarama, no. Oh. I would say, actually, over the years, a lot of my best bookings have come from having nights out with people. Really? Yeah, because I guess you make proper connections with people and mm-hmm. and then I, I usually on the spot pitch them a wild idea and tell them it's going to be yeah. the best thing they ever do. Rarely, rarely follow through with that. And then and then they <laughs> end up doing the festival. We'll bring you in from the sky. And actually what we do is we just wheel them out in a kind of roller bucket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Chromatica Ball's got nothing on this. <laughs> Cut to... Cut to Jane McDonald on a pogo stick. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we need to book that. I'd turn up. <laughs> yes. Who have been the most surprising ravers out of your lineup over Ooh, the years? Ooh, surprising... <laughs> I just remembered something. Oh, gosh, one year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, screw it. Um, I remember... You know, getting out of that park at the end of the night, you know, it's this just giant onslaught of crop tops and space hopper headpieces and drunk people all trying to get on two trains. So Mm. I decided I always kind of stick around for a good hour at the end of the festival and then leave. And then this one time, a couple of years ago, All Saints were playing. Now I'm really good friends with Mel and the girls. Now they Mm. can all party, but we all left to go on to an event and all of a sudden I can see Samantha Mumba (laughs) trying to break into what she thought was her dressing room because she wanted a bottle of rum (laughs) it wasn't a dressing room and um yeah she can drink she loves the rum she actually has her own rum Samantha Mumba really yeah she has her own rum her own branded Mumba rum I don't know what it's called you have to google it um but she's loads of fun and she did sink the pink as well and she's a great night out a great night out. Really? Irish, she's Irish, you know? The Irish are the best, aren't they? I've never met a not wonderful Irish person. And not, exactly, and the life and soul of a party. Yeah. Because Samantha Mumba, I mean, when you brought her back, I remember this. I was like, yes, because that video where she was walking across the top of train. And then she runs and jumps onto an aeroplane. Can you remember? That was it. At the end, she ran onto the plane. Oh, those big budget moments. Uh, also, as as a music video director, I was like, I was always like, oh, yeah, you had to do that bit, didn't you? Because they're like, well, yeah, if she goes on the train, where's she going to go at the end? Where's the big finale? The moon! Yeah, exactly. You always end up pitching that and then you're like, I don't know how the fuck we do that bit. Maybe everyone will forget. Um, but, um, Glenn, I need to read an email. Read away, perhaps. So we've had a lovely email from Josh. And Josh says, I've just been listening to your interview with KD Lang. Hi, Josh. Thanks for listening. Good interview, but... Oh, oh <laughs> I nearly fell out of bed. I love that you're in bed, Josh. Um, When I heard Chris say, women don't find man-on-man action hot. This is so far from the truth that I suspect it probably needs to be something you explore in a future podcast. Uh, Yes. Now, I'm trying not to be defensive, but... And then here comes the but. But the thing is, Josh, wasn't I saying 
to KD that it's not perceived as being hot rather than it isn't hot. Like as in, in the wider, in the heteronormative, you know, all the Allens. Um, but I don't know I'd have to listen back and I'm sorry so so you said to living legend Katie Lang that women don't find hot homo action hot yeah I think I was talking about representation of queerness on screen and how we always end up having a Sunday night BBC or ITV drama that's like women being a bit lesbian-y and you know the papers go oh have you seen this and and Uh, it's very like because it's for the male eye yeah and then I and I think I said uh, I'm getting myself into hot water here Josh um but then I think I said you know but it's not like the the same is true as in the way it's perceived I know what you're saying I think that when you on especially on mainstream tv when they're trying to have girl on girl action they make it sexy for the masses Whereas mm. when there's man-on-man action, they make it controversial for the masses. And it becomes very sort of sordid. That's what they want. It's always yeah. the way. You know, it's very... And that's... I, did you watch Heartstopper? I just thought... Yes. Oh, you know, as a cynical, ageing homosexual, <laughs> I watched it and I just blubbed. I blubbed. My heart was so yeah. full because it was amazing to see a love story like that it wasn't sensationalized at all and it was just mm. pure and beautiful and but because of you know what we've been through and because i'm yeah. cynical in terms of what i normally see on the tv every twist and turn that i would be waiting for didn't come and it was magical mm. no one died right. no one got their heart broken you know mm. no one got beaten mm. up and it was just this wonderful it just gave me such joy and and life yeah, do you know do you know the journalist Sophie Haywood? Yes, not personally. Because she posted this thing about, I think it was her daughter who was reading the comics and she was talking, and then on Instagram she was talking about the show and stuff, and she said what, I think she, I don't want to misquote her, but basically what I think she was saying was like, we never show on screen boys in love, really. Yeah. You know, whether that be boy and boy or just boys, like they're always like treating people badly. And, you know, and I understand it, you know, drama reflects real experience and people are metabolizing what goes on in their lives with drama. But it's really interesting, like just to see pure love is beautiful. It's beautiful. And delicate. I thought there was a real delicacy to it. And actually, young, young queer love is so delicate we are so fragile and it rarely gets seen like that i think sometimes it can be when it's seen on screen and and growing up the way i saw any and there was very few moments like that but anything i saw felt um like over sexualized and Mm -hmm. you know don't get me wrong it was great wank fodder however (laughs) it wasn't it was you know at a time when i was feeling delicate and fragile and it wasn't maybe the most constructive mm. viewing. Let's just put it that way. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Josh goes on and says, this is so far from the truth that I suspect it probably needs to be explored in future podcasts. Okay, Josh, tick. We will do that. You might start with the phenomenon of MM fiction, male romance stories that are exclusively for female readers and mostly written by women too. Recently, a few gay writers have entered the field. Cool. Gay men would find the sex scenes in these books ridiculously coy, possibly offensively so, but they are clearly written to arouse women and they play to their preconceptions of fantasies about male-on-male sex. You will also find that women are big consumers of gay TV fiction. 
From teenage girls who lap up series like Heartstopper, love Victor and young royals to older female viewers who will go for the more explicit gay series, Russell T. Davies. I lo- Russell, you're explicit. I speak as a former TV writer and producer. Josh, can I have a job? The same goes for the gay characters you're likely to see in advertising campaigns. The advertising industry may talk about inclusivity as a goal, but most of those hot gay characters would not be included if they didn't also turn on the ladies. Anyway, you get my drift. Very interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Mm. Do you know why I start thinking about Channing Tatum? Who I thought was called Tatum Channing for years. Potato, potato. (laughs) Channing Tatum. Um, Thank you, Josh. (laughs) Thank you, Josh. That's very kind of you to write in. What what have you written for telly? I want to know. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Now, Mandy has also been in touch. She's in the US. So I just found you from a shout-out on the Gay and a Non-Gay podcast. That's lovely of them to shout-out to us. Just finished episode three. Oh, you've got 180 to go there. By the way. Um, Mandy, yeah, good on you. Love John Grant. Love John Grant too. I'm really identified with him a lot. I have been HIV positive myself for 21 years. And I also have an AIDS diagnosis. This happens when your T cells get low and your viral gets high and you contract one of the opportunistic AIDS related diseases. Anyway, I really felt the destructive behavior part of John's chat in my soul if we had them. Mandy, I'm telling you, you've got a soul. It was also very destructive in the way I acted. Oh, I would, yeah, I mean, I can relate to this. I never got tested because I felt if I don't know, then I don't have it, while at the same time thinking I'm gay. So it's inevitable no matter what I do. Fast forward 21 years, I'm happy, sober, except for a single glass of wine at night, drug-free and smoke-free. I look forward to the rest of your episodes. Best regards, Tracy, yes, a male in brackets, from the USA. So sorry for saying Mandy. It said Mandy at the top, um... Tracy, I apologise. You are called Tracy. Uh, Glenn, can you relate to any of that? Yeah, I really can. That was interesting listening to that. I was born in 1980 and obviously that meant that I went through those really, really important, um, those years where I was figuring out who I was in the 90s in a time where we were told and we, you know, mainstream media and television, we were told that well, it was almost like HIV didn't exist. It was like you got AIDS or you had sex with a man, you got AIDS, you died, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then the, that fear mongering that was set, not, you know, not actually 
within our community because I wasn't actually at that time, I was only young, I was, wasn't part of the mm. community. I'm talking about my family, you know. So not only are you dealing with this internalized fear of just your own sexuality, but there's a, a real heaviness and a burden that you're carrying thinking, oh, everyone thinks I'm going to die. I'm going to die. So then you, you, you make love taboo, you make connections, you make all of those things. And it's, it's taken, it's, you know, it really took me, um, it took me a long time. I actually wrote about this in my book because mm. it's the first time ever where I'm, I've never been a particularly nostalgic person. I'm always looking forward, but whilst writing my book and researching it, I realized how much trauma I carried from those teenage years and how much of my even now and I've had to do a lot of work to get over it mm. how a lot of my interactions sexually and emotionally actually come from that time and that fear yeah. um mm. it's just it, and it's it's there's still you know it's such a convenient thing isn't it for for a conservative government or for capitalist government to weaponize a disease that takes out mm-hmm. takes out us and i think you know it's still such a huge narrative in our history yeah. um and one that we're educating we you know we're educating ourselves but i've been so surprised to talk to straight people that i thought were really really educated and really informed but just because they come to the gay discos and love a drag show doesn't mean that they actually understand, you know, the advancement in medication and, and people living, living with HIV. It's, um, mm. we, I feel like we've got a long way to go. And sadly, I sometimes feel like until straight, I really did. I honestly, when with the pandemic, I kept thinking to myself, it was really interesting to me how that was reported and, and the fear mm. that went out into the world because it affected everybody, right? Mm. And there's just so many comparisons to... Yeah. And, and, and it triggered me a lot. It really triggered me because it was so hypocritical in many ways about the way that not only we have been treated, but that we are continued to be, you know, because HIV, I just hate that it's been weaponized as a sexually reckless disease and it's... And, and mm. it plays into that quite damaging cliche that gets put on gay men all the time. Yeah, and gay men and beyond. Yeah. And it's interesting you talk about the book because um, I just want to say, I just think it's utterly brilliant. So a yeah. massive, massive congratulations. Oh, stop it, I'll cry. I've still not processed with the compliments yet. It's... Uh, no, it's fab. And, it, you know, I, I think you've done it beautifully and I love, I love the manifesto element and I love how... You know, the thing is, uh, a couple of things that have come up in, so far in this chat is like, including Heartstopper, like people just kept writing in saying, I wish I'd had this when I was young. And I, ha- I have the same feeling about your book. You know, if I'd had that when I was young for being different as well, like that's the thing that I find really, you know, because it's Manifesto for Misfits is the title, being, be different, be free, be you. And I, I love the inclusivity of that because... Yes, I'm a gay man, but I also don't think I just sit within that bracket. I yeah. do fuck those what else. You know what I mean? I, I love queer. I'm lo- falling in love with queer as a concept, as because it's because it doesn't. It's not all defining. But we're people who are different band together. Of course, they do. We come together, and no matter how different 
you can be different in different ways but you know you do kind of owe that to each other to look out for each other and actually I think that's what's interesting about when you were saying earlier oh it's really funny how lots of my acts I've signed or I've met who've played at Mighty Hoopla I've met on nights out because I think that often people who are extremely talented are often different they are misfits themselves yes and you go into that a bit in the book you know with people like Jade Thurwell from Little Mix and Mel C and all of that um, from the Spice Girls, in case anyone doesn't know. Never heard um, of them. Yeah. Once you show to people who are different that you love them for who they are, they welcome you right in, don't they? Yeah. And it's this beautiful hug. Like, it's a wonderful thing to find your own gang. Well, it? and I think that we are conditioned by society to be separated by our differences, which mm. is very convenient. And it means that as you know, minorities and and marginalised people, we stay within our own little groups. But actually, we there's a real kinship, um, mm. which is that we've all, we are, you know, we're all experiencing completely different things. But what we are all experiencing collectively is this kind of hardship and this feeling of being other, being different, being invisible at times, imposter syndrome, all of that stuff. And yeah, and... I felt all of those things and, you know, I'll be really honest, I continue to struggle with that. It's not something I don't think that you ever, ever disappears, but I've, as my career and my life's gone on, I've got better at, I guess, figuring out life hacks and figuring Mm -hmm. out ways of navigating and making myself um, adaptable, but without compromise, I think is a really good Mm -hmm. way of putting it. And and through the work that I've always done, I've realised that the reoccurring theme of everything I do is that we all feel like misfits and we all... Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, by the way, being a misfit or, or being different isn't about the way you look. It's not who you identify as. Sometimes it can be something that just sits within you. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can be about the, the things that you decide to do. And I think that we have this thing in society where we're told that we have to conform. There's this sort of societal blueprint of success and so the reason I wrote this book is a repositioning tool really to say that that is an absolute load of bullshit and I just Mm. I wanted to write a book that I would have benefited from when I was younger that would have maybe disrupted me to the core but not felt scary that I wouldn't have taken those steps so I'm really really proud of it it was the hardest thing I've ever done um, and I gave it my all but I really just hope that it can be something that continues to just, you know, mm. people tell people and that they can communicate, talk to each other and they can find solace in it and it can make them come out the other side a little bit more comfortable in their weirdness because that's yeah. where we thrive when we accept yeah. how weird and wonderful we are. And also, you know, I think what I what I like, what I wish more people could know and I wish I'd known is like no matter how weird you feel, Yeah there will be tons of other people out there just like you. They might just not be living in your street. where And loads, lots of kids are very lucky that lots of people like them live on their street. Yeah. But if you go and find people like you, or not, they don't have to be people like you, people who understand you for who you are, you are going to have, you are going to have the best ride of your life. It's going to be the most beautiful thing ever. And if I had, you know, if someone had handed me this book, it would have done tons at that time. I wouldn't have had to go to the Shadow Lounge on the 93 bus when I was 19. 
I was there with you. I'm like, <laughs> always stood around the outside on that balcony feeling like, oh, why won't they love me? I no. know. Glenn, I'm going to pause you there because we're going to go to a little break, uh, which is what they call it. I feel like I'm presenting ITV News. <laughs> uh, so, listeners, come back for part two. It'll be on the feed, nestling there, waiting for you to click on it. Uh, and we'll have more chats and japes. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Powered by Spirit Studios. 